This week it's a Sport Bloke NBL Pocket Podcast crossover special. This week we chat with Joseph and Andrew about all things NBL Blitz, the upcoming season, and we take a trip down memory lane to chat about the Foxtel Cup and our favourite childhood players. Had a lot of fun with this, hopefully you will too. Let's go. Well, Stewie, not only is it a great honour to be joined by two very esteemed podcasting gentlemen, they've even let us steer the ship here a little bit. (laughs) So welcome to a very special episode and a very massive, massive thank you to Joseph and Andrew from the NBL Pocket Podcast. How are you, boys? I'm very Very well. well. This is Joseph speaking. We're part of each other. Andrew there. Yeah, g'day. Guys, nice to be here. Thank you for having us to have a chat. A bit of collaboration, as the YouTubers would probably say. Yeah, so you guys were super uh, nice to us in the early days and very supportive. And and here we are, you know, a year and a half later, we uploaded episode 77 the other week. So... So yeah, we really appreciate your support and we've really been looking forward to this crossover. And we'll obviously get into the Blitz and the NBL season that's just upon us, but we thought we'd go down memory lane a little bit early first, didn't we, Stewie? Yeah, we've obviously with the, the pre-season stuff, it kind of reminds you of some of the older stuff that used to happen. And I was talking to Nate the other day about this Foxtel Cup, this mid-season, mid-week sort of thing that used to run. Oh, well, it was 1996, I think they ran, or 1990. Yeah, it was, 96, it was, 96, it was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the year after the, the Cats beat the Giants in the grand final series and it was it was just this random sort of bottom place second bottom winner plays third bottom all the way up to the the first place team it was a, it was a weird one we were sort of talking to you guys off air about it and saying you know didn't have a huge recollection of it it's a bit of a, a random one in there my first question sorry Andrew I'll jump in quickly I, I thought that did it show on tv what was it sort of how was it broadcast I Obviously, it was called the Foxtel Cup. It was on Foxtel, but what time of day was it? When was it? Can you guys fill that in for me? So my my memory was that the Foxtel had just got the rights and it was kind of a precursor to Foxtel having the full season rights the following season. And so it was just to drum up a bit of interest and support, I think. But mm. ABC actually showed it a late night midweek. So I remember watching the games late night on ABC. Wow. Yeah, I think it was Wednesdays. Yeah, midweek. For, yeah, for yeah. And they couldn't get the Perth Entertainment Centre. So the one game that the Wildcats played in, because Wildcats finished top, so they only needed to play one game. Uh, it was actually at Challenge Stadium. And we actually, we were really lucky. We got really good seats there. Yeah, I think we were like fourth <laughs> or fifth row sitting yeah. sort of free throw line at one end. And, it was... and I've still got it on tape somewhere. And it's a great game too, but that's what I forgot. It was a really close. Game. Yeah, it was 119, you 117. You gotta translate that to digital and put that up. Whoever's got the tape. Well, it's actually it's on it's on YouTube. It's a really, really poor edit though. Oh, is it? Oh, it's okay. it's one of those ones where they'll show some guy taking a charge and then they'll cut to a guy dropping the ball out of bounds and then all of a sudden it's quarter time. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. Right. Do you remember I'm just worried? No, this is really worrying actually, because I'm starting to fear that I've just had like a, an entire 12 month blackout in my life. Because I was saying to you guys, I've been watching basketball since 87, pretty religiously. And how did this just entirely miss me? I have no, no recollection of this. You're telling, you're telling me that it was a knockout, like it was a different venue. I got nothing. I am, can't remember it at all. Forgotten what Foxtel is. Don't even know what a cup is. <laughs> Put this together completely <laughs> lost, right? Um, what is going on? What happened to my life in that year? I have to uh, but, go back and check it well, out. Well, it's just another obscure trophy in the Wildcats uh, cabinet, dare I say. But it was a one-off and and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people out there that don't remember. When you mentioned it to me, I thought it was that, I, I want to say, was it a three-on-three or four-on-four competition in Adelaide that played midweek? Does anyone remember what? Oh, are you talking about those high hoops? The so hustle angry. hoop, and yeah, it that... was I played at you know two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. I was like, this is not going to work. Oh, see, dire. no one's lost on me. I don't remember that one at all. There when when 
when one HD first became a TV, remember when 10 had its spin HD and it was purely sports and then they canned that after about a year? It was yep. desperate content for that and it just did not go well at all. Do you remember it, Andrew? I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. The high stack. I'm sure you're talking about the high stakes hoops. And I think it was high a stakes. Jeff Van. Was it I think it was a Jeff Van Groningen sort of idea. And he had this idea to bring in, you know, put a big cash prize at the end of it and amazing players will come over and play in Adelaide for a few weeks to make it, to win some cash. But I don't think if, if you're talking, you know, high quality players being, you know, a, a ragtag group of NBL players, a couple of SBL imports and that kind of thing, that seemed to be what it actually attracted. In theory, great idea. Didn't quite pan out that time, but maybe things could be different. I mean, when you sent me the message about this, uh, Nathan Stewart, when you sent it to me, my immediate thought was, oh, I vaguely remember the Foxhole Cup, but the thought is, how could the project of the idea translate today and andrew and i've talked about this a bunch of times like how you could do a foxtel cup today or, or do it new I'm, I'm throwing this one to nathan do you when you remember the foxtel cup what would you want to do an incantation of it today what would you do well i guess the next iteration of it is almost the nbl cup yeah. isn't it that's come along and my understanding is that's not actually going to happen this season and i think oh covid it's going to be another covid interruption season <laughs> Uh, and we'll, we'll probably get onto that shortly. But yeah, I don't know if, it, if it's the sort of thing that would be necessary these days, but the NBL Cup seems to be the next evolution of it, I guess. That's exactly what I was thinking. It seems like yes. a perfect translation, have that round robin sort of effect. Because this was the issue that I had with the Foxtel Cup was that a team like, say, you know, the Hobart team back then and the Gold Coast Rollers of the, the days, they had no chance. They had to run the table against, what, 15 other teams, basically. And the, the teams at the top two or three were basically always going to win it. Yeah, bizarre format, yeah. really bizarre format i think maybe like the fourth or fifth team was the first road team to win there were two teams i think that, that won away it was and they only like, won like one away I game illawarra and newcastle i think were the only teams that actually won away can i quickly can i quickly throw an idea at you yes and i think you may have actually uh, spearheaded this idea but my idea to do a new version of it would be like play your normal season but in the season just nominate a game like okay let's say in the second round adelaide are playing brisbane okay this one towards quote-unquote an NBL cup like whoever wins this one this is like a cup game as well as a regular season game so you kind of have two tallies going and if Adelaide beat Brisbane in that they get a certain amount of points and then you kind of play off so you just add a little bit more value to what was already happening in a regular season game and then at the end whoever's made this quote-unquote cup game then plays for the Champions Cup or whatever you want to call it. Does that make sense? So would you nominate the game? When would you nominate it? I guess it's a good idea in the sense of if you had injury trouble, you could try and pick a time when you had your most full-strength team. Mm, I guess you just, at the start of the year, put out each okay. round and then each in each particular round would be one matchup that's already taking place for regular season points that's got this added value to it. Um, and then at the end of the year, you either have, you just do it on points and award a winner. I think that's a bit uh, deflating. Or the top two points getters then play off in a single round game after the grand final. Or ah, maybe even just that's interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean? Razor even. Yeah, mm. depending on who the teams were. Interesting. Yeah. I was kind of almost trying to think if there was a way that you could make what they do in the in the soccer work where you yeah. kind of have you know, one of the things I I kind of enjoy is watching yeah, in, in England and across Australia, all these these minnow teams coming up and playing against the, the top tier teams and these amazing stories of a, a, a team. I think it was a team called like Oakley or something from Queensland who were yeah. in the yes. seven, yeah. 712th division or something and they, yeah, they knocked, knocked off an A-League team. And yeah. Whether you could do something with that. That the would only be problem fun you'd to have watch. There, that would be fun. The only problem you'd have there is I remember at, not last year's Blitz because there wasn't one, but the year before the NBL Blitz, remember there was like an NBL 1 All-Stars team? Now, maybe that wasn't the best outfit 
but I remember them just getting routinely murdered. But I, I guess that's the spirit of competition. Like, who knows? Maybe a team does just rise up. But um, mm, and I guess it's different in a game, a game like soccer, where it's you know one goal can be the the difference between a win and a exactly. loss. Whereas basketball, yeah. obviously, is a little bit more play by play. You could do with You could do an Elam ending on it, and then that Ooh. might bring in some extra Ooh, interest. Hello. <laughs> We might differ on one. opinion when it comes to Elam ending, actually. That's, uh, that, might be a taboo, that might be a taboo topic. <laughs> we'll come back to it. <laughs> that note's a bit old school. I'm kind of old school, but I'm coming around to some of the newer stuff. So you mentioned you the go. Blitz. I guess it's maybe a good time to move on to that. What have you guys made of it? Have you have you had a chance to watch much and, and early thoughts, I guess? Look, I went in with good intentions, thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage in the Blitz. I'm going to give it a, a red-hot go. That, that thinking lasted about two quarters of basketball. And I was like, this is painful. Um, for a myriad of reasons, it was painful because of the, the quality of the play. It was painful because of the venues they were playing at and just the appearance of it. It was painful because of the quality of the broadcast. Uh, and I was like, I can't do this. I'll, I'll watch some highlights on Twitter, let the NBL do the hard work of watching the slog, and I'll just enjoy the, the cut-up pieces. <laughs> it's too, it's, it's rough. Really rough. If I can mirror what Andrew said, I I mean, it's preseason stuff, so I actually don't like to watch too much of it. I find it can discolor your thinking because you're like, oh, that, that guy looked really good, but you're like, oh, the defense is pretty average there or, or just coach just trying something different and new and they, the rotations won't be what it is in the regular season. So I only really watch about a quarter, maybe a half of any game I've watched. And in total, I've probably watched six or eight quarters of basketball of every team, but just mainly that first quarter, see who they roll out as a starting five. They typically cross over. Um, but Andrew, I mean, as far as the broadcast goes, I was pretty shocked. I uh, got on Twitter and was kind of obnoxious, like, oh, who's watching it anyway? And I have to applaud Nick Tan. Nick Tan is without bias. He gave me a hit on the snout. He's like, actually, there's more people watching than you think. And I think he said there was about sort of anywhere between three and five, 6,000 people watching. And I then when Nick Tan said that, I thought to myself, yeah, he's right. Like, that's enough people to, to try. And as Andrew had said, the broadcast with with names wrong, like you know, we're talking getting names right and numbers and things like that. This is what fifteen minutes of someone's time to make sure it's all right. I was really yeah, and as a result, it just took me out of it. Where I thought, oh, maybe if the presentation was swish, it could have pulled me in a bit more. But I don't know who does them. I think it's Sports TG do this, but there are so many options as far as doing that micro broadcast. I was really quite uh, surprised by it. What do you two think? How much of that issue do you think is put down to the fact that it was Kyo Freebies? Did the um, NBL bite their nose to spite their face here a little bit? Like if, if it had been paid service rather than freebie, they might have invested a little bit more money into it. It might have looked like a better product. Like that my concern with it is it might not have attracted new viewers. So the diehards yeah. and the people that are already fans will be yeah. watching. But I almost think that it might have a negative effect on the newer viewers because it was so poor. I also found the Melbourne broadcast maybe a little bit better than the Tassie broadcast. So I'm a bit like you, Joseph. I watched a fair few first quarters or first halves. I did. I really enjoyed the Southeast Melbourne New Zealand game. I've got to say, punctuated yeah. with a double clutch bank I shot three by Finn Delaney. <laughs> oh my god! Like it was actually quite an enjoy. I said to Stewie because I'm notorious for hating the preseason, like notorious. Because there's other stuff going on, like NFL's in yeah. mid-season, for example. I'd much rather be watching that. But I actually, I'll be honest, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And yeah, that game was an absolute cracker. Yeah, really He good. played that shot very cool as well, didn't he? Just oh, knocked it in. Brilliant. <laughs> Walk just, off. Just wander off the court. Yeah. It's all yeah. so good. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of echo a, a couple of your comments. And, and certainly for me, 
yeah, a little bit of the professionalism was was lost. Things like they were showing the starting fives. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but a couple of them they actually used their their Twitter handles instead of their yes, names. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jack McTray one. Yeah, and there was Shilly <laughs> underscore for Shay Illy. Yeah, thinking, <laughs> how hard is it to just write the guy's name? Like people that are that are tuning in for the first time may not know who Jack McTray one is. Yep. Or, or if you're going to do that, and I'm actually all for that in a way. If you had their name and then underneath it, their Twitter handle. Because, yes, yeah. And this is the, the broader pro- thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is like the NBL seems to be skewing very young. I just got an email just before that they've teamed up with Foot Locker. Now, Foot Locker to me is a youth culture brand, right? Yep. And I find that if you're going to appeal to young people, they're, and this is not a knock on young people, I was the same as a young kid. You're very kind of cynical of like when something's trying to be cool, but is it? There's no greater failure than when you're trying to be cool or trying to be selfish, <laughs> yeah. trying to be young and you fail. So the fact that when you talked about the broadcast would have deterred new viewers, I, I couldn't agree more because you're trying to appeal to younger people. You've got to be swish. So if you're going to put up Twitter handles, I'd have the name and the Twitter handle below. I think that's a brilliant initiative for the NBL. It's all about engagement. Like Even in the commentary booth, it should be Dwayne Russell, his Twitter underneath it. So if you want to, unfortunately, if you want to slag him off, if you're that kind of bad person, you can. But if you want to talk to him, if you want to ask a question or say something positive, the avenue is there. And I think I've often thought that's strange when you've got someone like Homicide who's huge on Twitter, but they don't put his Twitter handle there and don't encourage people to get that engagement data stats. You know what I'm talking about, Andrew. So from that side of the broadcast, I I felt bad about it. Right on the money there, because obviously they had that deal with TikTok as well. So clearly that that is a youth focus. So I think you're bang on there. Absolutely. And then they've gone away. I think the, the cash of Rupert Murdoch News Corporation killed the TikTok deal. But you do. It is a bit of short-termist thinking, isn't it? If you're trying to get that younger audience, are they going to be going to KO? Or are they going to be looking at TikTok and and Twitch and you know, like go where the people are? YouTube, like YouTube, is desperately trying to get into sports. But I mean, yeah, the interesting thing is when you talk about the broadcast and it not being so switched, is it? The, it's, I don't really actually put it down to KO or the fault of the NBL. They've hired a client in, I think, Sports TG. If I'm wrong about that, I really apologise to Sports TG, but. <laughs> These companies do that, and it's like well, that's you've hired a you, the NBL has hired a client to do its broadcast, and it just wasn't up to scrap. So, but if the NBL hasn't sent on a note saying, "Hey, we we really didn't like that after round one, fix it immediately," that's on that's on the NBL. So, I'd really love to chat to someone at the NBL about how that all went down. One of the other things yeah. as well that I did notice with that was the. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've sort of mentioned already the lack of uniformity around the, the Twitter handles, but also just the the timing on the clocks. I, I know a lot of people were... were oh, it was like a running clock, yeah. It, it was almost like a running clock at some stage. And there, there were times when what they were showing on the screen was 20, 25 seconds out in terms of what the actual time was. The score was off a yep. too. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, simple I was... stuff, man. Simple, like names score and time i mean outside of those three things but other than making sure the lens cap's not on that's it (laughs) i just i mean i just wonder how it seems like every time a new broadcast sort of production is rolled out they need to re they try and reinvent everything as well it's like how can we display the statistics differently how can we get the scores to animate through it's like Surely there is a best practice way of doing this now, and it's a solved problem, but they seem like they have to try and put their own little pizzizz on it each time. Mm. It's like, just watch an NBA game and do what they do. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's as simple as that. Don't, oh, don't try and do anything fancy or different or unique. No, nah, just give us, give us what the NBA do and you, you'll be golden. 
With the stats, what drives me crazy with the NBL, and I really hope they don't do it this season, is they'll show a guard and they'll show points, rebounds, shooting percentage, and they won't show assists. And they'll show a point yeah. guard without the assist total. It's just, oh, guys, it's not hard. To really. focus on a positive here, Mike, because we've done a bit of negative, I want to say Damon Larry was good in commentary. Did we all enjoy him? I enjoyed the commentary yeah. across the board, actually. I love the banter between Santa Maria yeah. and Hawley, too. They have yeah. really good chemistry. They, they always make me smile and laugh. Yeah, Larry, yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, I've warmed yeah. to him. At first, I was a bit uh, not sure. But, yeah, the more I listened, the more I, I grew to enjoy him. Um, and, and a breath of fresh air compared to Homicide. He's still not a fan, Andrew. No, he, he has not won me over, I'm afraid. As much as I try, I try, I keep trying to give him another chance and he keeps letting me down. I started to come around <laughs> last season. Maybe he's a bit different. Yeah, I don't know if it was because he started back in the Wildcats, but I actually started to come around to him last season. <laughs> oh, I, I love the little feud that he had with, with Bryce. I'd say, I say feud in inverted commas with Bryce Cotton. Yeah, the time he hit that three and got fouled, he's pointing at him. And so I, I love that little back and forward they had. I thought that was great. Stu, nailed it. I agree. And that's what Homicide does. And that's why I like him, because if you're going for a youth market, he is a youth guy. He's very yes, active definitely. on Twitter and socials. His yep. link, I've got it as a, as a connection on LinkedIn. doesn't stop. So as far as a guy who's willing to put himself out there, which I think the NBL struggles with at times, it struggles with that sense of self. He has no temerity or lack of temerity when it comes to putting himself out there. So I'm, I'm a fan and he's done my show. And I'm sure the sport folks, if you asked him, he'd be, he'd be here tomorrow, or this afternoon to do it. So I, I'm a fan in that sense. But I love him alongside gays, that sort of new and old um, I, I dare say, you know, black and white. It's, I think it's a great combination. I love yeah. it. Yeah, he had good banter with Sean Redditch as well. Um, yes. I'll give him credit there. That was a fun, a fun little, you know, back and forth to listen to. The one tiny little thing I did have with the the commentators, and I, I can't remember who the guy was that was commentating down in Tassie, but there was a, a really awkward moment where he was trying to remember Calvin Talford, but couldn't remember his name. <laughs> Is that when Adams had, was it Adams that had the dunk? It was Adams that yeah. had that massive left-handed yeah. left dunk. Yeah, 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 he was yeah, talking yeah. about this high-flying guy that used to play with Tazzy in the 1990s, and I'm sitting there screaming at the TV. I'm like, it's Calvin Talford, come on. Yeah, yeah. oh, he was amazing. That's where, if they put up the Twitter, you could have gone, there's your answer, bang. Done, yeah. I tweeted that. That was what I said in my Twitter. There you go. Exactly. Could have had it by the end of the sentence, basically. Yeah, he competed in dunk comps. Well, that opens the door. Who were your favourite players growing up, guys, on other teams? Who did you hate as well, maybe? Were there players you loved to hate? Uh, I loved Andrew Vlahoff because I was more of a guard player. I'm, I'm about six feet tall. So I, I like to watch players who I can't emulate at all. And I could never emulate his size and strength. And and he was, I dare say he's the most competitive player the NBA's ever had. People say Rob Rose. I don't know him personally, but man, Vlahoff was just so, he was just so tough. And he was still probably the biggest, strongest guy I've ever seen. Maybe because I was younger when I watched him, but loved Vlahoff. Loved Vlahoff. And then that's interesting because that's rare. He tended to be one of those players that you love to hate if you weren't a Wildcats fan. So that's that's really interesting to hear that actually. You see, I grew up in Perth. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Oh, there you go. I grew up in Perth. Oh, so yeah, no one's okay. perfect. No one's perfect. <laughs> um, so I love yeah, Vlaho for that reason. And he visited a camp or school when I was younger. So that and then Ricky, obviously, Grace was the two. And then the guy who I dislike, I am proud to say I respectfully cheered against Andrew Gaze. Yeah, uh, I knew he was good, but I didn't like him. I didn't like a guy who just was always hitting threes when guys kind of had a hand down or backdoor cuts. That was, that was his two plays. And it drove you nuts when he dropped 30 and you're like, how he's got gray hair. How's he doing this? Respectfully <laughs> cheered against him. Andrew Cady, who do you have? Um, in terms of players that I liked, um, I, I really liked Brett Maher, actually. 
I thought he was always fun to watch. Was so dynamic. His jump shot, he, he, he was kind of, he had a jump shot much the way uh, um, Bryce Cotton is now. Just a ridiculous amount of elevation off the legs. Mm. And it was always um, uh, incredible to me that how do you jump that high and maintain such good shooting form? I, I'm incredible, amazed by guys who can do that because when I, I'm a shooting, when I'm shooting, it's, it's a low jump shoot. You know, like I can, I could, I can, I could, I could jump, but on a jump shot, it was a, it was a small jump. (laughs) So those little things you're like, I don't know how he does that. And so consistently. So I was a big Brett Maher fan. Obviously I've grown up in Perth too. So locally it was, it was guys like James Crawford. I always really like way back when Mike Ellis was the guy that I modeled my free throw shooting technique after I'm like, I'm just going to copy him. (laughs) So it was, um, and then, so going back, they're probably the, the ones that I, recall really liking guys are hated the obvious one was shane heel like everybody hated shane heel <laughs> yeah. um and then probably also frank the original drimmick yep. of the uh i didn't like him at all dr mick is what our friends used to call him because i didn't know how to yeah, say his yeah. name yeah well, he, so he even that's anthony, annoying he and anthony are basically the same person it's yeah <laughs> they are very similar yeah very niggly, then, the, the sort of guy. And that's why I don't like Anthony punch, either. <laughs> I don't like. What about I, I modern players? Is, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Is there any modern players that you don't like to cheer? Uh, you don't like Andrew? Modern players, um, probably you, Harry Fro- you, Harry Froling jumps to mind. Yeah, I was going to say just, I, I can't stand Sean Bruce respectfully. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't like the way. I'm just being honest with you guys. You've asked a question, I'll give you an answer. I just when in the Blitz game. In fact, in the Blitz, I think it was um, Liafa who we sort of drove into, bumped to the floor. I think it was a block call, and then he threw the ball him on the ground. I was like, I can't. I can't stand this guy. I respectfully can't stand. Yeah, he's like Ben Madgen. Reminds me of him a little bit. Yeah, that's Could, that's a good call. Can't stand, couldn't stand him. Just just quickly on Ben Madgen, I've always said this to Nathan. He struck me as the sort of guy who was always 45 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It just seemed like he'd been in the league for two decades at any given stage of his career after his rookie year. It was ridiculous. He could have left, didn't he? He went overseas for a while and then returned. He did. He came back and you're thinking, how is he still alive? Anyway. So I'll start off, I guess, with some of the guys that I didn't realize that I liked at the time. But as I look back on it now, I look fondly at guys like Dwayne McLean. I really yeah, loved watching. We're going to have a similar list. Watching like D Train. Yeah. Everett Stevens was another one from Newcastle. Oh, that, yeah. that real wow. high flyer, you know, just drive past you on the baseline and, and put someone on a poster. That um, tandem with Terry Dozier. Yeah. Calvin Talford, as I said, he was on that, that list. Um, I think everyone enjoyed watching Brett Rainbow in those early dunk comps as well with the Melbourne Tigers. <laughs> Because that was I me. Mean, that was all he could do. But he was uh, he was still very very good. Guys, I didn't like. Absolutely echo that sentiment on Andrew Gaze. We booed him mercilessly. We did. We, yeah. We didn't know yep. why. Yeah. Well, because we in '93 they killed yeah. us. No, we weren't well, at the game in '93. But that was kind of that was when my supporting kind of really moved into fourth or fifth gear. Was in 1993 when I was about 10. And yeah, that one stung. So I I didn't appreciate Gazy. Pretty much till he joined my NBA team, the San Antonio Spurs in '99, actually. And now I love him. I think he's a national treasure. I think he's absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh totally. Yeah. I respectfully cheered against him. What can I say? Yeah, and, and I would hope that I, I would hope that he appreciates the booing as much as anything. Like a guy that's been around the sport that long, I think like booing is a sign of respect, right? You don't Total. boo a guy that's not going to hurt you because you don't care. But he was a guy who could destroy your team, so you had to try and find something to put him off and how else does the crowd get involved 
you know, I, I think it's a it's a credit to him. Not one exception yeah. to that rule, though, of the you don't boo a guy unless you respect him. Robert Sibley. <laughs> Baseline you Bandit. You don't think people respected him? No, sure. he was a thug. He would just set <laughs> horrible back screens. And, and it's probably just because of the time that he leveled Trevor Torrance. But uh, I just, yeah, I had no respect for his game at all. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I love it. That's a strong answer. It's great. I think he was probably like their version of Andrew Vlahoff, though. Bit of an enforcer. Set a really hard screen. He's in great shape now, by the way. They wheeled him out with an anniversary team in Brizzy last season. And he's looking in really good shape, the Sibs. Yeah. Oh, shit, I wish I'd known it that is a shame. You, you don't really get enforcer players like that anymore, do you? And everybody's too friendly. They all like each other. Um, I, I miss those days when somebody there was always a guy on a team that was just there to smash people, like Chris Blakemore. Yeah, you know, was another Chris guy. Blakemore, there you go. Just yeah. there to destroy somebody and took pleasure in it. I like. I miss those days. Brian Conklin's probably in? the last guy, really, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, he, yeah. he certainly did that. Can I say something on that as far as you talk about like heat in the game and trash talking that? Because I'm reminded of that time Vlahoff was like, every time we go on to Melbourne, their crowds are pathetic. Remember, do you remember this in New York game years ago? I'll see if I can send you the clip. But really, over this offseason, the only people that are commentating on basketball in Australia, or the main voices are Bogut, and he mainly talks about the NBA. Chris Anstey is good for a quote. A little bit of homicide and Santa Maria. And, and I'm kind of struggling, like, who's, you know, you think about who's covering the game in the NBA, and there's people from the East Coast, West Coast, you know, uh, men, women, like Ramona Shelburne's a big newsbreaker in Los Angeles, Zach Lowe's in New York, and all these Americans. But in the NBA, like, there's only a couple of people who give quotes. I haven't heard a quote from a player other than Jason Giddy this preseason of note. You know, why aren't these guys going back and forth? That And Andrew, you know, summed it up there, I guess. Good point. I can't think of it much many other quotes either. That and speaking of dust ups, there was Dusty Hannes and, and Kevin White in the Wildcats Adelaide yeah. preseason game. Yeah, there was a bit of uh beef there, but yeah, not quite. So. Dust Dusty tore the Wildcats apart. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He really did. I mean, if you thought it was savage in person, wait until you see the uh instant messages on WhatsApp. Now that's where Kevin White can be really hurtful. <laughs> He's never going to live that down, is he? You can't live that down. I, I like him, respect. He's apologised. I forgive, but you cannot forget. We uh, we had a chat with Cody Ellis a few weeks ago, and he said that Kevin White's really good value, really funny guy, a bit of a prankster. So, yeah, yeah, interesting character, that one. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. But for me, for me, same similar to Stewie, Everett Stevens and Dwayne McLean, I was a big fan of. I was a big fan of Melvin Thomas. I always really enjoyed watching him play and, and those Illawarra Hawks teams or Wollongong, whatever they were, or they were Illawarra back then, yeah. with Butch yeah. Hayes as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed them. Uh, I enjoyed watching Glenn Savile play. I thought he was he was really good. By the way, Angus Glover was doing his best Glenn Savile impersonation in the in the preseason, I thought. I can't believe That's how a- bouncy that guy is. He's had three knee reconstructions. Three! Three knee reconstructions. And he's throwing yeah. it down. It was fantastic. Keen point. <laughs> Like, anytime, anytime I see a, a white ginger-haired guy throwing dunks like that, I'm all about it. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I've just, I've exactly. forgotten the name. Talking about players we love, I, I go, I feel remiss if I didn't bring this one on. John really was a guy. Yes, I, I was he was on my best shooter in the country yep. ever. I thought it was brilliant and, and had attitude and apparently talked an incredible amount of trash. So I just wanted to throw that name in. There. No, he's, that's he's, a good one. He's on both lists, really, isn't he? Oh, I just love that guy. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of trash, uh, Derek Rucker was great with the trash talk too. Like we were lucky enough to get upgraded to courtside seats one game, and he absolutely went off for the West Sydney Razorbacks. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he had a forty. Oh, that was a Townsville. 
Was it was it when he was still was with Townsville? Townsville? Was it oh, okay? Yeah. Still with Townsville? Oh, that's right, it was too. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. even at the game. No, no, that's that right. Yeah, because no, we've talked about it on a previous episode. Yeah, and and he was just during with the crowd in the seats, and oh, that was brilliant, absolutely. I um, think Scotty Fisher's brother happened to be sitting there, so they were going back oh. and forth. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> well, on Derek Rucker, I mean, I think what gave him confidence was the man dated Tina Arena at the height of her fame. You know, you, at that point, you can say whatever you want. Wow, I never knew that. There you go. Yeah, he yeah, dated Tina Arena. There you go. go. Movers and shakers. Wow. Yeah, Ruck is my hero. My hero. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a question from the Blitz. Going back to the game. Um, I just got to, uh, we were talking about risers and falls, weren't we, Nathan, in the pre show? Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give me, give me, give me a riser. Uh, I think New Zealand. Yep. So they finished eighth last season, 12 and 24. Now they're probably going to have to be road warriors again. I think this it's going to be yet another COVID affected season. And New Zealand will probably be the worst hit by that. Probably Perth second, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if Perth don't play another home game after those first five, but we'll get to them. So, yeah, I would say New Zealand is a riser for me. I don't know about what you guys think. Same. I had the same thing written down. Andrew, what do you have? I've actually gone with Adelaide. I think they're coming Ooh. off a, a low base. And I think it doesn't won't take much to get them playing much better. And I like the early signs of what CJ's changing about that team. It seems like they're playing with a lot more confidence and, and self-awareness. Um you're still mourning the sacking of uh, of Connor Henry, Andrew. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> All right. I don't think All anyone right. was harder. I don't think anyone was harsher in the country than, than Andrew, and I applaud him. I thought Adelaide were very kind to him, not sacking him earlier. Although I do like the idea of flying him into the country and then oh, sacking no. him. Oh, no. Well, that, yeah. was, that was <laughs> next level. Such a dog. And in quarantine not... and stew for two, two weeks. Oh, my God. And that's just not an Adelaide thing. That's just That actually really bristled fans. And I, I mean, Twitter's my only – I don't live in Adelaide, so it's my only window into Adelaide. But that, that's just not how Adelaide does business. That's not how the 36ers like to be seen. And, and they really thought that was poor form. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they had to move on from him. We I thought it was a boss move to do that. It's quite funny. Um, and, look, I think the team is only going to be better for the fact that he's not associated with them anymore. <laughs> I wonder what hotel they put him up in for the two weeks. Probably one with, like, a dead guy in the pool. To have two weeks of that, <laughs> now you're gone. A one star. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sorry, I cut into your answer there, Andrew. But but I, 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 I find Adelaide to be the most hardest team to predict, actually. They could go either way. Um, I'm going to say I disagree with Andrew because I just don't I bless Isaac Humphreys but if he plays more than three quarters of the season I will take all of you to a steak dinner my treat get whatever you want <laughs> I just don't think he'll see time he just misses a bit of game and the problem I have with Adelaide is the same thing with Isaac Humphreys is when your best player I think he might be the best player one of when he's a better singer than basketball player and that's not because he's a bad player it's just because he's a brilliant singer I, I have my worries but if he plays three quarters of the season which they, they're going to need every game from him and I just, he's missed time everywhere he's been. So I, I, for that reason, I'm like, I, I can't, can't put the chips in. I'll, I'll go into bat a little bit for Adelaide here because I, I don't, I, I'm with Nate a little bit. I don't know exactly which way they're going to fall, but I think Mitch McCarron was the pickup of the offseason. Oh, huge, huge. In terms huge. of yeah, you add him to yeah, a team that's got like Sunday Detch is a, a really, really good on-ball defender. Feast. Yeah, Isaac Humphreys can block shots if he, if he plays, that sort of thing. So they, they could be a really good defensive team. I think... As you mentioned, CJ Bruton as a coach, he will develop guys like Mojave King and Sunday Detch a lot more as well. So I think they're going to give these guys a lot more of a leash to try and develop themselves than than what Mojave had in Cairns last season. So there's there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for Adelaide to be really good. And they're always a tough team to play at home. So they've kind of got that advantage there. I think 
for me, though, yeah, a lot of it's just going to come down to how well their imports play. If Dusty Hannes is kind of, yeah, if he gives them that shooting that he that he had, I mean, Adelaide were last in three-pointers taken and made last season. So they, they kind of need guys to be able to spread that floor a little bit more. If they can get that, Todd Withers, I think he was a 40% three-point shooter with Bologna last year. So they do have a lot of guys that could potentially spread the floor. So who knows? And I mean, we could see Hannah's got a bit of mongrel in him. Yeah. So there's a bit of fire there. Yeah. Uh, and to I, make up for the loss of Jack McVeigh. I have a question for everyone. What mm. do you think is going to happen with Kay Soto? Oh, well, Adelaide have a track record of, I don't want to say spoon feeding, but certainly giving mass minutes to next stars. I mean, Giddy last year got a lot, I think on merit, to be fair to Josh Giddy, I think he played pretty well. But I mean, there was still a you know, losing team and by quite a lot with a pretty decent roster that we all could look around and say, they probably could have won more game, especially down the stretch. The amount of times they'd be kind of in a game and then just get totally blown out. But it's hard to differentiate that from whether they were giving minutes to themselves. So, I mean, they've done this new deal with the Philippines. Like that's a TV deal. Who knows if that TV deal, the Philippine TV studio that's done that has said, we want to see him on the court for a minimum of 20 minutes. And, you know, he's trying to get minutes out of uh, or ahead of Johnson and Humphreys. Are we putting them in the two best of the two of the five best bigs in the NBL? So where's this kid going to see minutes? And they have it's to got give Cam minutes. Besto there too. So yeah. Besto a little bit. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. where are they going to give him the minutes? Because I looked at that Philippine deal and went, oh no, <laughs> that's come with a condition. Yeah. And you right. do not want to yeah. take minutes off Humphreys and Johnson. So so I have I answer that with trepidation. Um, but they're going to eke out ten to fifteen minutes for him. And he looks like he's young and thin and a little bit slow, but decent, you know, decent game. But he's he's got the tools, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he's, he's got he's, he's got that raw talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, I have a I have a, a bit of a worry. Where are you at, Andrew? Yeah, very similar actually. And you think about if it was anybody other than um, Jeff Van Groningen and Grant Kelly in the management team, I might think otherwise. But those are two guys that have shown themselves to be pretty focused on the monetary outcomes. Um, so I'm thinking that. There may be, yeah, there may be commands from above to get this guy some minutes. Can you imagine, can you imagine if sitting in the Philippines, huge basketball fans, right? Huge. Oh, yeah. And massive. sitting there and then they go through a tight game of the NBL and Soto hasn't hit the court. I mean, that's like, we saw what happens in the Philippines. Like the death threat. Just <laughs> well, who was it? Was it Matt McQuaid that's been getting, getting like hassle from people in the Philippines because he wasn't high on their league, on their local league over there? Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to send Luke Longley over there again to, to get between us. <laughs> sort of stand over some people that might have been one of the scariest moments in international basketball history well certainly in our lifetime yeah yeah well certainly for the Aussies not for the Filipinos I mean they had us outnumbered probably what a couple of thousand to one so it was (laughs) well you think about European leagues where they're pegging like batteries at people and bottles and stuff (laughs) but international I'll say this it was unbelievable I mean the thing was you learnt there categorically we all learn a valuable lesson there that there's not a basketball player alive who knows how to set his feet, put his hands in front of his face and throw a decent punch. Because if any of them could, <laughs> there would have been serious damage done there. But some of those punches were these merry swingers that were, um, you know, that they weren't let's, really good. But let's not Maker, the karate was, kid. Was it Thon Maker? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Karate, yeah. Doing bicycle, like Liu Kang impersonations, basically. Yeah. Dear, dear <laughs> me. Just <laughs> spamming circle at the start of the round. Yeah, I know. I worry about their what big stocks, though, Adelaide. I do worry about them. So, so Joseph, you've, you've mentioned Isaac can be a bit injury-prone. Okay, yeah, they've got Cam Besto to slot in there at starting centre if they need to. But if he's in foul trouble or if he goes down, the depth of the bigs I'm really worried about is Adelaide and Perth. I think those two teams, if they get in foul trouble or get an injury to a major big, I think it could be big trouble for them. So, we were, uh, Nathan, we were talking rises and falls. Are you forecasting Perth as a faller? They finished, what, second or 
They finished top or second last year? I think, second. yeah. So Perth finished second at 25 and 11, which was... Are they better in that or getting worse? Uh, oh, I think they're on the bubble of the four. I think they'll probably be in that range of third through sixth. Uh, I think Melbourne is my faller. 28 and 8 last season, obviously lost guys like Jock Landau, Mitch McCarron, yeah. Scotty Hobson, Udai Barber. The list goes on and on and on. David Anderson retired. So I think Melbourne's probably on that playoff bubble too. At this point, I would have them out of it. But yeah, so Melbourne were my fallers for this season. Yeah, I agree. I, I had Melbourne as well as the faller. Um, don't, don't, don't really see them having enough. To, to get it done this season. So, yeah, big faller for them. Obviously, one, you're at the, the top. Import, the one import thing for me with Melbourne United is interesting. Uh, it just shows how much they spent on Delver Dog. Yeah. I've heard reports of he asked for a mil. They said 650. He said 700K for the season for three years. I mean, that's a lot of money me. for an old bloke. That's, yeah. a lo- that's yeah. Bryce Cotton money, and he's a yeah. perennial MVP. So it's too much. You could have got you could have got two McCarrens for that price. Imagine if your backcourt is two McCarran-esque players. No, they it'll be a great promotional tour. Not denying that, but I have huge concerns for them in the four. For them playing, we have huge concerns. And I think that's legitimate. Shows. Yeah, that's very reasonable. One yep. thing I will say when I was sort of looking at the risers and fallers and where I thought people would finish on the ladder, it was actually interesting how similar I think this season could look to last season's ladder. Oh, really? I, I like, kind of think a little bit the opposite. Why do you say that, stupid? I look at it and I sort of say the teams that were kind of hovering around there, like your Sydney's, your Adelaide's, Brisbane, I think will probably drop off a little bit. I don't really think, unless Lamar Patterson goes nuclear, I can't see them doing too much. But for me, I think the top four, you'll have at least three of those be the same. I think most people's consensus is Perth, Illawarra, Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix will be in that top four. And then Mm -hmm. it's kind of three or four other teams that will probably be similar teams to last season battling for those spots. I think Cairns will be towards the bottom. And then it's just, does Tasmania, do they slot in at the bottom or do they slot in at second bottom? That's, I don't know. I just don't see a huge amount of movement. I was just saying, you were saying not a lot of movement other than Melbourne. I mean, obviously they were like lock stock for the top. They're going to be in the flow. That would be the one sort of iffy one you'd have there, Stuart. Yeah, you could see them and New Zealand potentially being the two teams that kind of, I'm not not saying that New Zealand will get up to top and Melbourne will drop to eighth or anything, but you could see that those kind of being the big slot. Yeah, yeah, I totally, yeah. I totally agree too. I wouldn't be surprised if percentage determines the spots in the ladder. So last season we had two teams finish on 19 and 17, and then we had a team finish on 18 and 18. So fourth through sixth was really, really tight. And I, I suspect that will happen again. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have multiple teams on a tied record when the season finishes. Well, I'm of the opinion that Melbourne are dropping out. So who's coming in? And I think New Zealand, I personally but I could also kind of make a case for Brisbane. I know you weren't high on the street. I quite liked what I saw. I saw a fit Lamar Patterson. I saw this Franks guy who can kind of play. And they lost Hodgson, who, you know, gives you 20 good NBL minutes before fouling out. If, Har- <laughs> if Harrelson, or is it Har- Harrison? If Harrison, Harrison yeah. can stay Sorry, on the Harrison, yeah. They're thin. Boy, they're a little, their rotation is lean, which will probably hurt them, but. They're as lean in rotation as Lamar Patterson is looking, and he's an MVP candidate. So I'm actually higher on them making it. What do you think, Andrew? I'm actually we haven't spoken about that. Well, well, they could do well. I, I, I'm going to change tactics a little bit because I'm a little bit conflicted because I went out early and said that I had Perth for the title, but I can make a really solid argument that Perth are not going to make the finals as well. Oh yeah, and um, I, I'm looking at them and seeing a team that has no identity, no idea what they're doing. A little bit lost without without the uh, flex offense backing them up and just and, and a new import that's hardly played. I'm seeing some early warning signs from the Perth Wildcats that they their run may be done. 
Here's two China. big things. Or oh, three finals, things. Andrew. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, yes, finals. Finals. No, I, could see I, New, think... I could see New Zealand maybe pushing Perth out. Like, oh, come on. I, I, bless you. I, I don't. Cotton law. I think that's enough, isn't it? And then when you. But I need to see their schedule. I haven't studied the schedule close enough yet. Uh, can I throw it to the two to two lads in Perth? So here's um, here's three things for me with Perth. Oh, sorry, we we're going No, no, Nathan, please. So one, Scott Morrison, Coast Gomo. I'm I'm trying to get that trending, Coast Gomo. What what are the chances that Peter Dutton tries to get his job by accident and gets the wrong Scott Morrison? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, he he's had, so we've had a really sorry we the Wildcats have had a very bad preparation. So they didn't meet their coach in the flesh until like knocking on the door of the blitz so he's been coaching via ipad so major preparation issues schedule issues starting off with five games at home there's this new new covid variant or new and new literally new variant that's wreaking havoc very early days in the last few days but it's already got its way to europe after starting in africa i wouldn't be surprised if perth don't play another home game after their first five so that's a major issue too and then the third issue for me is bigs. The Wildcats don't have a power forward on their roster. Okay, no, they have not. guys. They have guys that can play small ball for. They've got Victor Law. They've got Jesse Wagstaff. But they do not have a power forward. Like you could not be moving further away from the days of the wall uh, in the nineties with the with all the bigs that the Wildcats had. And as you say, Hodson is a foul machine. Majok Majok can get into foul trouble a little bit as well. I actually really like the both of those. But I really worry about Perth's depth in the big man stocks, really four and five major issues. And, and they're the things that could scuttle to me the, the, the playoff streak. Stewie and I both had them picked out of the playoffs last season. I have picked them in this year because I'll follow the great Andrew Gaze who says, pick them until they finally lose. <laughs> so I will pick them in, but geez, I worry. I do. No, I think your first point is the best, which is lack of preparation and a bit of COVID. Like sports is, life comes first, sports comes second. And I just look at the turmoil they've had, particularly in the front office. You have lost Trevor Gle- Well, the Wildcats have lost Trevor Gleeson. I mean, that is your pillar. That's your rock. That's your president, prime minister. We've got a new one, whatever. Yeah, bad joke. But they've lost <laughs> this pillar of everything. And their preparation's been, let's put it, poor. But what, let's go back to what we were talking about with the Blitz before. We're put, they're pushing a young product. They're going away from a Wildcat, grind you down, grab it off the offensive boards. Like just the Wildcats nail you with like ha-ha plays where you turn over and they score on you. Ha-ha. You don't block out, sneak in, lay it back up. Ha-ha plays. And they're not going to do that. They're going to play this NBA light, which is where the NBL is trending. And it's just so counter-opposite to what the Wildcats have done for their entire successful run. So that's my big one. And then also... Before, like you talk about the schedule, Nathan, I'm so glad you brought that up because before the Wildcats would have gone, no, we don't like that schedule. <laughs> Folded their arms, what are you going to do? We're the winningest club. We're the biggest club. We're, 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 you need us. But now there's that Melbourne arm that says, we kind of we kind of dictate what you do now. You know, that that Wildcat crossed armed because it was always them, always on the West Coast in their own orbit. Now they, they don't have that power that they once had to be a bit demanding of the schedule. So uh, I have huge worries. But to counter that, They've still got Bryce Cotton. He's, he's the best player who's ever played in the NBA. He's the best player in the NBA the last, since Gay's left. He's brilliant. So, And I'm a big fan <sighs> of Vic Law too. Massive fan. And Vic Law's a good player too, but yeah. I agree with everything you said. And the rotational depth is, is poor and the preparation's poor. Um, Stewie, what do you think? I think, okay, so firstly, with regards to the schedule, it's funny you say that. I was actually looking at the schedule before 
The first eight games that Perth play, five of them are at home against Adelaide, Brisbane, Cairns, and Tasmania. So you're talking about certainly three of the four teams that people are (laughs) expecting to be towards the bottom. So that's very favourable. Then we're talking about away games at Adelaide, Brisbane, and Tassie, I think. So they're they're kind of broken into those those two halves where you've got the two uh, Victorian sides, the two New South Wales sides, and New Zealand playing against each other and then the rest. So I think that's very favourable. And it's conceivable that the Wildcats could be six and two, seven and one or better out of that. The, the thing that I think is going to happen, and, and this, I could be way off with this, but my thoughts are that Michael Frazier is here to cover until Todd Blanchfield is back. And then I think he gets the arse and the, oh, Wild- and then the Wildcats go after a power forward or yep. a centre as their third import. You have read my mind because this was going to be a question I was going to ask is which team panic sacks an import first? And I think <laughs> it might be the Wildcats <laughs> with Frazier because I think they this need is- a big a big guy. This is Andrew's one of Andrew's kind of favorite topics. Do you have any answer, Andrew? And it's very early days. I hate to forecast a firing, but feel it, man. Well, he he can hardly get on the court at the moment, so you're not getting good value for money out of him at the moment. But there's also the uh, the little thing of does Bryce Cotton get citizenship? And then they bring in another import. Good point. That story's just disappeared, hasn't it? Completely gone off the radar. That one. It has. It has. But surely the paperwork is still in whatever department it needs to be in. I don't know whether that is still an ongoing thing. I assume I assume he still wants to become an Australian, although... Well, he's married to a girl from there. Perth. They've got kids here. So I think his roots are fairly planted. Although he's, he's, he's buggered from the Olympics perspective now. Yeah. That, that spot now belongs yeah. to um, Matisse. I mean, who uh, is doing the legal at the Wildcats? I'd be swear every day I come to the office, I'd be, very, I'd be keeping my head down because that is... <laughs> you would have thought that's your bread and butter. So that that's yeah been poorly done because that's been you know two years in the making. The process literally takes nine months to you know a year and a half. So yeah, huge. I don't know yep. what the hang-up is there, but huge mistake. The paperwork yeah. in Sydney, do you think? Well, <laughs> and, and, and could this be a Sydney Kings fan that's still pissed off about 2019? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, 2020, I should say. I've Sorry, got a question for everyone. Yeah, I've, got a I've written it down here and everything. Will the Jack Jumpers be better than South East Melbourne in their inaugural or, or first season? South East Melbourne mm-hmm. finished 9 and 19. From what we've seen of the Blitz, their imports coupled together with a few local. Are they going to be better than South? And can I piggyback off that? Because I've got a, a similar question. Yeah. What What will look like success for Tasmania? Does it need to be winning? Do they need to, does it matter where they finish on the ladder for it to be a successful season? As far as their measure of success, looking at yeah. the Blitz and how well they packed out those sort of lesser arenas with that preseason product, their success is going to be if they build a good little fan base. And it looks as though Tasmania is rabid and keen to go. I'll talk about on court in a second. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, on court, I don't think they'll do as well as Southeast Melbourne. I thought Phoenix did really well in that first that first season of theirs. And I don't, in terms that's in terms of win losses. Um, but I think Tassie will do all right. I think what they'll need to find is a real, hopefully one of their imports becomes a a guy they can really build around for a few seasons. If they can, if they don't have you know one and done imports, and they build a foundation with with a high quality player import that can build a connection to the local community, I think that's really important. And look, the players they've got look pretty good in terms of import wise. Whether they're there for the long haul or it's just another stamp in the passport that's yet to be seen i really like what they've done i love the interview with scott roth that liam santa maria did those coach interviews were really enlightening i thought they're worth listening to for the mega fans out there um i think they've got a lot of really good personalities so jack mcveigh is going to be great the kids will love watching will magnay throw it down looks like josh adams will be throwing it down a bit i've got sam mcdaniel the son of former star wayne mcdaniel he you i saw on twitter joseph you mentioned that he was a really good guest uh with body and brad 
Um, so I think off the court, I think they'll they'll have some really good players to engage in the community and their coach as well. He's got a great sense of humour. I actually have them above Cairns. I think they'll finish second last and I think it will be deemed a success overall. Yeah, I think kind of the same. I mean, in terms of if you look at what Tasmania has, I mean, they've got the cricket teams and that's really it. They've kind of got these two surrogate football teams in Hawthorne and North Melbourne who play a lot of their home games there, but they don't really have a team that they can kind of call their own outside of the cricket. So I think this makes a lot of sense. I hate to say it, I'm even kind of finding that the name Jack Jumpers is growing on me, which I never thought I would I love say. it. We loved oh, it from the get-go, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think I, thought was, I, I had seen David Attenborough, Jack Jumper. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm aboard. I'm on it. I'm all for it. If you get stung by too many, like an average adult can die from the Jack Jumper. So yes. I'm like, no, I'm, we we, we kind of had a bit of fun with that in terms of the... Stewie loves team names. The, the, the sport, oh, I love them. I love them. <laughs> We, we looked at some Speaking. of the most ridiculous names of all time, but we we just looked at it and said, why would they not go back to the to the Devils? But yeah. I guess they're kind of wanting that fresh start, so it kind of makes a bit of sense. I, I love the imports. I mean, Josh Adams looks like he is going to be one of the most fun guys. This is kind of almost like your league pass team. Yeah. 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 We're like, if they're on, you'll watch them. Will Magne looks re-energized. He'll, he'll be, you know, he'll be getting lobs. He'll probably have four dunks a game. The kids yeah. will love that. So, yeah, no, I, I would definitely be rooting for them as a second team. Yeah. Do, you, do you know the biggest I'll, question I've got about them, and I'll open this up to everyone, what do you guys make of Clint Steindl being the captain ahead of Jack yeah, McVeigh? Okay. I was just about to say, this is a great question. Steindl's been hurt the last couple of years. I really like him as a shooter, but now he's already hurt. He's dislocated his finger or yeah. something. Um, yep. So he'll probably miss a bit of time. And I, I, I just, people who miss time in the NBA, in the NBL, when it's only a 28-game season, health is so important because there's so few games. Every game matters. You can't be like, oh, I've hurt finger I'm going to miss three games and one I'm not saying he's doing that on purpose at all but I value playing every game so much and uh so as far as him being captain as well he's never struck me as a particularly vocal person no. uh, when at the Wildcats he was always kind of a little bit aloof if, if that's not a critical term so I was very surprised to see it uh, what do you think Adrian? yeah much the same he's always seemed so uh, under the radar kind of quiet quiet kind of guy wouldn't really make a big fuss about things so to him to take a leadership role from that i mean there's different ways of being leaders right you don't have to be the yelling and shouting guy to be an effective leader you know maybe he's more the putting arm around the shoulder and a quiet word you know one-on-one that kind of leader can be really effective so i'm surprised by it but having said that it was a player's vote so you know they they know what's going on more than we do so you i guess i've just got to back them in and say well that's that's the right call I oh, see that ruins my theory. I assume because Scott Roth coached him in Perth, Scott gave him the gig, but the players voted, did they? Oh, that's interesting. I believe so. I think that's what I read. That it was a players' vote. Correct me if I'm wrong, because well, I I'm... think you're right. I think he's going to be a good counterbalance to Scott Roth, who looks pretty fiery by all. I get the impression he's a guy who really flamed people, especially the way that, that he hasn't played that Russian next star, Mikhailovsky or uh, Mikhailovsky, yeah, Nikita, yeah, Mikhailovsky, yeah, Nikita Mikhailovsky. He's been happy to sit him in preseason games. Yeah, and I saw the um, NBL so, News guys had him projected in the starting five. So that is a surprise. So he's not afraid to kind of be like, yes, no, you know, my way, highway. So Steindl's probably a pretty good softer counterbalance to that. So maybe he'll work out. But I want to make the case for the Jack Jumpers. So nine and 19, I think they'll win more than nine um, for the simple reason of, I want to open the floor on a jet in a second. I hope I'm pronouncing his surname correct. Um, but I think Matt, they've got a really good big import in Magne, who's right up there with Humphreys and Johnson, in my opinion. And then Adams will score a little bit. And then I am worried about that middle depth, like McDaniel, Steinle already hurt, you know, McVeigh, like who's going to be a set starter and 
play every game really well. They're kind of trick or treat guys, so good one minute, not so good the next, or game to game. So, but I still think they'll be better because you look at South East Melbourne that year. There were less teams. The competition was, I think, a little bit better that year. And then also they had Ty Wesley go down game five minutes into game one, and then they broke down towards the end. I think this team will at least, at the very least, maintain its health going through. And for that reason, I think they'll win more than nine. But I wanted to open up the floor on um, their other import. Is it, is it? I thought it was going to be McGetty was his surname. Majet, is that right? Majet, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Is he, do you like him? Do you think he's too little in the NBL? Like he doesn't, I don't know. What do you think? I think you can get away with smaller guards. I mean, if you look at guys like Bryce Cotton, Casper Ware's mm. been incredibly good. Uh, going back to Randall as well with Sydney and Adelaide. There's been a lot of very successful guys. Scott Machado is another one. So you can easily get by in the NBL with undersized guards. It, it's just going to be how well he runs the team. And from, from all accounts, he is very much a get it off the off the boards, get it to me as quick as you can. Speedy. Ta- yeah. Tazzy are going to play with a really fun pace. And that's kind of why I have them as my my team that I'm going to be watching when, when the Wildcats are not on. They're very much going to be that league pass team because they will be fun. As we've already said, we know that Josh Adams is, is super bouncy. He throws down some crazy dunks. So they, they're going to be fun. It is a small backcourt, though, with the two of them. But it, but it is, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about his decision-making ability. There's been a few oh, few games that I've stretch. watched. Yeah, sorry. And he's, you know, he's sort of just dribbled the ball out, just held on to possession, taken some bad shots when there's surely there would have been a better one on offer. That's the one thing, one area of growth that I would be looking for from him. And, but otherwise, and- I think, you know, first import out, he, he's, he's better than plenty we've seen before, right? So... And it's preseason, but that's why I like New Zealand as a riser, going back to what we talked before, because I think Peyton Siver is going to be the most poised point guy in the NBL as far as executing plays to get wins. And he's got enough talent around him that he can do it. But that's a, a different story. I'll he threw some great passes in the blitz. The, the thing I liked about Siver is his maturity and his 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 yeah. basketball IQ. He didn't feel like he needed to take the game. He didn't need to do too much. I felt like he played within the game really well. I love New Zealand's length and athleticism. Like Besson... Uh, Dieng, even Galloway has really good length. Like I, I think New Zealand will be a tough out this season. I do. I think they're in the fall. Just before we move on to probably Southeast Melbourne, we have to address this. New Zealand, do they have the greatest name in the history of the NBL in Principal Singh? <laughs> Sent to the principal's office. <laughs> that, that's, that's your line right there. Nathan, you nailed it. If that doesn't come up in commentary... Uh, I will again. I'll take you to another state in Well, this year, the other one I like is Ariel. It's hard not to think of the Little Mermaid when you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not New Zealand, but doing Sebastian the crowd. They haven't got an in-stadium sting where if he makes the score, it doesn't good, and they just play that little bit where it goes. Part Ariel. of that world faded out. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Or oh. if he gets like back-to-back threes, like thingamabobs, I got I got 20. You know, no, no. You can do it. there's a lot to be done. And New Zealand have fun. This is a, such a departure from what we're talking about. New Zealand have such fun with what they do. They are by far the most fun team in the NBL as far as their socials and the comments they make. They're the most fun team on that. They're the most fun team in their operation. Even on court, they have a fun product. Even when they lose, they're kind of fun. Ty Webster was ridiculous last season. Um, Modi Mayor. I just love that team. Modi Mayor. I love that team. And then they've got Rasmus Bark too. So you can uh, uh, play the... Uh, yeah. Just some classical guy. Uh, yeah. There's so much. On a, I, sh- I should just mention, Ariel is actually Melbourne, but I just brought him up as another name. Stuart, okay. speaking of Melbourne, Stuart mentioned South East Melbourne. There's a lot of buzz for them by pretty much Brad Rosen seemed to be the only one that didn't pick him in the playoffs. Everyone, including Liam Santamaria seems to have them basically as championship favourite. I like their team, but championship favourite? I don't know. What do you think, guys? Uh, it's a little bit strong, I'd say. I think they're, they're a solid playoff team. Um, but this 
there's just so much unknown. Like how how is this team actually going to come together? They've got another another backcourt. You've got Cam Glidden, who was ordinary last season. You've got Brokoff, who is by all accounts has returned back to Brokoff form, but coming off a terrible season. Um, yeah, Dane Pinot, again, another guy who injured all last season. Don't know what he's going to bring to the table. A lot of question marks over this team. So I like them. I like them on paper, but I want to see what they can deliver game in, game out. And look, to be fair, Simon Mitchell is probably my favorite coach in the NBL. I just, something immensely likable about that guy. I I like just the Phoenix organization and what they're trying to do. So I'm a little bit biased because if I had to pick it, like if, if the Wildcats were my first team, Phoenix would be my second team. I just like them. Just a lot of question marks about what they're, how they're going to perform. And that's, I like the way you said that at the end there, Andrew, we're like, I like them. And I think that's what we're talking about here. When you talk about uh, Nathan, when you were saying how a lot of people are really high on them, high on them, I think it's because Southeast Melbourne are the most likable team. Simon Mitchell is the most likable coach. He's always been very kind to Andrew and I. He does interviews. We've seen him in press conferences. He remembers names. Super likable guy. Is he the best coach in the NBL? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and then also you look at who's like, where's the league base? The league is based in Melbourne. United are quite cagey by like, my impression of that team and how they operate. They don't really, they're not super generous with their players and their time. That's just my impression. Whereas Southeast Melbourne are a new club. They're looking to make fast friends. Yeah, and um, and also you know they give interviews like Tommy Greer gives interviews and so on so on. so I think there's an element of because they're good content they get lots of stuff written about them you know it's like Picasso there's a lot of Picasso paintings out there because he lived to ninety and he was famous in his lifetime whereas Van Gogh was a nutcase poor and died at thirty <laughs> so there's not as many paintings so I think there's an element of that going on as far as on court how I just look at this how much did they rely on Kiefer Sykes last year. He had to get into the paint. When they were in big clutch games, he always played well. And he got in the paint and he found people. I'm talking more towards the end of the year when he came back from injury. Who's going to be that guy who's going to get into the paint and make a decision for someone else? It's not really Mitch Creek. Uh, maybe a little, but he looks to score a bit more. Um, it's not going to be Brokoff, who's a catch-and-shoot player. It's certainly not Cam Glidden Gl- and Tarangi. It just, it's just not in them, unfortunately. So is their new import going to be as good as Keith Sykes? He was terrific. And then their big situation, I Joe Chi, I look and see uh, Glacial, uh, pick and roll play. I could score on Joe Chi in a pick and roll. I'd come off, he'd have to play the drops and I'd shoot it over him. So I I'm not, I don't know where that came from. What do you two think? I think the addition of Xavier Munford could be very interesting. He could be better than Kiefer Sykes. I've seen footage of him dropping 46 against the Knicks G League team. Like He's a definitely a scorer. So I, I don't know, maybe he is that guy that, that is going to be able to get into the paint, kick out for other guys. He could very well be the guy that comes in and takes too many shots and the rest of his team hates him. So it, it's a bit of a question mark there. I agree with you on Joe Shea. I think he's probably the most most intriguing guy in the league just because of, obviously, he's got that that Chinese connection there. So kind of opens up the game a little bit to China, which could potentially be a, a really, really big thing. I mean, if you look at what, obviously, before a lot of the, the proverbial hit the fan in the NBA, you had teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets who did a lot with China, made a lot of money there. So maybe that's an opportunity for the league to, to expand but um brian gorgeon's huge on him like huge well, massive fan that was, that was something i was just about to bring up was like, oh I, was he the one who said he was going to revolutionize the game no that was that was real but yeah he was huge on him but you know gorgeon's what's gorgeon gonna say oh he's crap he's gonna be terrible 
You know what I mean? And, and Gorgian's so willing with an interview. I mean, the most dangerous place to be is between Brian Gorgian and a microphone or a camera. Um, and I say that in a nice way. But yeah, and that's the thing. I think you hear that from Brian Gorgian. You're like, oh, this, this guy's going to be amazing. But I look at Joe Chi and bless him. I'm sure he's a fine player. But do we all enjoy the Colton Iverson experience last year? Do we enjoy mm-hmm. Magne in Perth where they like to play a bit smaller? You know, like seven footers and a bit lumbering like it's just not the direction the nbl game is going i i didn't know what gorge was saying and i know that seems ridiculous to fly in the face of gorge who am i but i i, I saw what i saw i think this dante exum rumor that's going around could potentially decide the entire season really and they've got another import spot open too so that yeah there are some wild cards there keen point dante exum when he decided not to come to the nbl uh that was kind of glossed over a little bit. I thought that was a real hit to the ego of the NBL, um, whereby it's plastering itself as this jump from the NBL to the NBA. We're, we're an NBA pathway, da, da, da. And then you have an Australian player played for the Boomers at 27, has struggled in the NBA. If ever the time, imagine it, the NBL must have been licking its lips thinking, we're going to have Belva Dover and Exum in our league. And goal, or we're going to have two a Boomer, a guard in his prime who's got NBA all over him. And then the fact that he seemingly, seemingly hasn't chosen to do that, that is a huge, um, they, they probably won't address it this way, but I feel like that's a huge hit because you get Dalva Dover at 31, who's got a terrible injury history. Imagine if he had Exum at 27, prime, do it. it I felt really bad. I just felt bad for South East Melbourne. felt bad for the league in general. Um, I hope I'm not being too negative, but that was just my impression. One of the things I really like about you, Joseph, is that you do tell it how it is. So I think there's enough people in NBL media that, that sugarcoat things a bit. So I think nothing that's fair. I think he played really well in the Olympics too. So it would have been a major coup for the league. But yeah. Oh, it would have been, yeah. Anyway, I've said enough. Just one last thing with South East Melbourne. Though. I just wanted to kind of, I guess, get you guys' thoughts on this. Could they be the most hungry team in the league? When you think about the fact that they were up 17 on United in game three. Well, they choked. They, they absolutely choked. They, but choked. they will feel like they should be the defending champions right now. You've got Mitch Creeks coming back after a pretty tumultuous season in the off-court stuff. As you mentioned, Brokoff and Glidden had subpar seasons. A lot of people are talking about them. Surely they have to be hungrier than anyone this season. Totally concur. Yeah, they're hungry, but I think everybody's hungry to an extent. So I don't know how much hunger will get wins on the board. So at the end of the day, you still got to put the ball in the basket. Unless it's Lamar Patterson, I guess. There it is. There it is. On your bike, Lamar. On your bike. Uh, I've got We're all huge fans. We're all huge fans. Absolutely. Oh, we yeah, saw no, what the we talent saw. is unquestionable. The Absolutely. talent we is unquestionable. We saw what we saw. Sorry, I interrupted that. Go on. No, no, no. <laughs> For me, a couple of things. So the the good side of the ledger for Southeast Melbourne, they're one of the least disrupted teams as far yes. as roster turnover. So they do have a lot of returning guys. So that is a good thing. They've kept their coach. There's been a lot of coach turnover too. Uh, and it was only their second season. They're probably trending up. So they're, they're the goods. For me, the bad, kind of going on the back of what Andrew said, Cam Glidden was a bit disappointing. Ryan Brokoff was definitely disappointing. Okay, maybe that was injury affected from all reports. And he has looked better in the preseason. So hopefully he's back to form. Ruben Tarangi's a year older. Yes, he's very capable, but he went disappearing for large stretches in the playoffs last season as well. So what are you going to get out of him? And then the other thing is Kyle Adnam. So he was named as captain. Oh, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. But is, has he hit his ceiling? He's 28 now. Like, do we know what we're getting out of him now? I don't know. Is there going to be any more improvement from Adnam? He's, he's probably he's probably maxed out where he's going to be as far as career-wise is concerned. So, yeah, I, I just, I find, I, I do think they'll make the playoffs, but I find the buzz about them maybe a little bit too much. And maybe people are seeing and hearing things that I'm not, but. 
you you nailed it with Adam for me. Whereas I think he's a quite a good player, but when he's on the court, now he's been named captain. They seem to just give him the ball a bit and be like, "Oh, it's, it's the Adam show. Just stand mm. back and watch." I'm like, "This is not percentage basketball. This is not high percentage basketball in, in what I've seen." So yeah, it, you know, I always look at where a team's trending, who, who's a favorite on the team, and who's not. I mean, and I just think there's a little bit of favoritism going on with Adam because he's from Southeast Melbourne, or for whatever reason. Where I'm like, I'm just not seeing where his the the amount of minutes allotted to him are giving you production. I, I just haven't been able to make that quantum leap. I'm afraid. What were you going to say, Andrew? No, I wasn't going to say anything at all, other than just complete agreement. I think you guys have nailed it. I have nothing further to add. For the questions, Your Honour. That's it. <laughs> all right. So, is Illawarra the favourite then? They have four starting centres. Four starting centres, basically. In the Frolings, Reith and Ogilvy. I'm a big fan of Reith. I thought he looked really good in the in the Olympics. They're big. They're going to really beat up on teams like Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane that have problems at the big stocks. I, I think they're favourites. Yeah, definitely. Gorgian as well. You've got to make him favourites. I mean, Gorge will have him ready to go. You know, he'll be he'll be running the we're the underdogs. We've been forgotten about again. Everybody's talking about other teams. Look at us, you know, David against Goliath. He's he's a master at that sort of player psychology side of things he'll have him fired up if if harry froling is ever going to become a good player this is when it's going to happen because you either get fit and get good with gorgian or you sit on the bench so i think they they're in with a really really strong chance and i'll say this as far as when you go they've got four starting centers and they do but gorgian has shown that he's not afraid to say you're not working this is not working out for me it's not happening he, he was very short with adele but also let's not forget emmett nah Emmett Nile was a player who just wasn't quite getting the production done. And now I don't believe he's there anymore. Gorgian said, yep, love you, but got to leave you. We're trying to win games. I think like Gorgian is the one coach left who is not entering what I call the pace race. All the other teams want to push the pace. Perth have now converted. They've got a G League coach pushing the pace. Score, NBA type product. Whereas Gorgian's the one guy who's like, if I have to drag the game, <laughs> if I have to like a zombie in a movie, grab the game by the ankle and drag it down so far into the dirt and keep scores in the 70s and have a horrible TV product to get the win, I do not care. And he's the one guy who's got the license to do it still because he's, I mean, it's Brian Gorgian. You can't fly. You can't go against Brian Gorgian. So for that reason and the fact they've still got Harvey and then they've added Reith who looks really good in the Olympics and looked like his game would translate. Uh, yeah, I, I think, Nathan, you're absolutely right when you say they're a favorite. Continuity of Harvey is huge. Continuity is really, when there's so, a league with so much turnover, so much import turnover, I think the Harvey thing is really big. Harvey and Jessup. Jessup, Jessup. too, yeah. Good yeah. Call Jessup, Jessup should take Stuart. the next Good step. He should, he should improve. Well, the, the thing with Illawarra, and it, it's a great point you bring up about the fact that they like to play in the 70s last season. I mean, that was one of the things I said going into the playoffs. And it, funnily enough, it aligned with Perth because of all the injuries. But Illawarra last in the league in points per game, last in the league in field goal, three-point and free-throw percentage. So they, they weren't a good shooting yeah. team last season. But I think having guys like, you know, Xavier Raffin Mays looks like he's a walking bucket potentially. I saw this video clip today of him dropping 30 in four minutes playing for Florida State. So he's... He... 30 in four minutes? Yep. Oh, right. That's like Earl Watson. Wow. Jeez. Stu, yes. can I just say, your commitment to finding small clips in the deepest, darkest depths of the internet <laughs> is, is really impressing me. It's getting, um, it's getting me hot. He's our details guy. I, I, I just, I'm I mean, impressed. I'd actually seen it before though. I'd seen it when it happened, and then just I was looking at highlights again. I'd forgotten that it was him that had done it. So, you, so you've got these guys that can potentially go. And Antonius Cleveland. I mean, he's got G League and NBA experience, yeah. and he's 
listed as coming off the bench. Yeah, unbelievable. No, I, I, I'm doubling down on what we've all just said. I think uh, Stewie made a fine point. It's just, uh, this is one of those teams where, yeah, you mm. wouldn't be surprised if they ran away with it. Any so, negatives? Has anyone got any trepidations or anything? Uh, finding time for all the bigs, maybe. I think Harry Froling's probably the odd man out. I've always been a much bigger fan of Sam. I always thought the NBA buzz on Harry was a bit much. I guess Ogilvy Crushed him. Seemingly crushed him. He went over there and thought, oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> just tidal wave of talent. Ah! And it's just, I, I don't know, he's had maybe some weight issues and some conditioning issues as well, which probably doesn't help. But, yeah, I think maybe that's, it's it's, it's hard to poke holes in this team, do though, you, i got to say. Do you know, the only small one I can maybe come up with is one ball between Harvey and Rafa and Mays. Maybe that's a slight issue, but... Jess will want to eat yeah. too, obviously, wanting to get yeah. over to the, to the Warriors. It's, so. it's a good issue having too much talent. Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah. the, the thing in all this is Gorgian, who's happy to say, yeah, Ogilvy, Froling, we're not, uh, Harry, you, you, you're not getting any minutes. Sorry about that. What are you going to do? I'm an Olympic coach. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Yeah, yeah, the last yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so you're, at the, you're at the feet of the throne. It's over. So yeah. I, I think they're going to be very good. Um, so obviously we haven't talked about Sydney and Cairns a hell of a lot. That will come on future shows, both on NBL Pocket Podcast and the Sport Blokes. And we'd love to to have another chat with you boys again, which I'm sure will happen. One thing we like to ask people when they talk to us on our show is the best live performance they've ever seen. So it doesn't necessarily have to be basketball. If you've got a basketball and anything else, that's great. But what what's the best performances you boys have seen in person that you've been lucky enough to experience? All right. So I did a little think about this. It, it, I am going to lean on basketball. I'll probably say one, actually, the, probably the one, the one non-basketball event was a Army versus Navy American football game. I was fortunate enough to go see. Nice. Uh, that was at the, the Washington Stadium a few years ago. And it was just... It was just amazing because it's just, yeah, let's go Army, let's go Navy. You know, 80,000 people or whatever packed into this stadium. It was a pretty incredible thing to see. But that was fun, but it wasn't thrilling. So what I want to go lean on is the thrilling moments where you've had the hair stand up on the back of your neck and you just kind of like an out-of-body experience as part of a live performance. And I, I, I drilled it down to two moments, so two different games. So the, the runner-up was the game at Challenge Stadium where Perth were playing New Zealand Breakers in a, I think it was a semi-final game, um, but it was the one where CJ Bruton had the shot on the buzzer, sort of the mid-range shot to win it, and Sean Redditch flew out yes. and blocked it out of court yes. and went. We were at that one berserk. too. Yeah. Yep. And just the the atmosphere, Challenge Stadium, for all its faults and its stinky toilets and all those sorts of things, <laughs> it was so good for atmosphere, and I still miss it. Like it's it. The arena is lovely, but it sucks compared to Challenge Stadium as a as a person watching a game. Were you at that playoff game, Andrew, where Rashad Tucker had moved on to the Melbourne Tigers and he was at the free throw line and I think he had two shots to either win or force overtime? That's the loudest I've ever heard Challenge Stadium. That place was absolutely going nuts. The place was shaking, yep. I reckon. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to... Uh... I used to sit behind, I was behind the basket at that era and it was just, that was an amazing place to be because you're kind of <laughs> looking down, looking in the eyes of these players as they stand at the free throw line. That venue was brilliant. But having said that, my biggest highlight was actually at the venue that I've just paid out on Perth Arena. And it was the <laughs> night that Jermaine Beale just decided to go bonkers and hit anything he shot. I'm sure you guys probably remember this one. We, we were at that game. We were courtside for that one. We, we were yeah. like three courtside. rows back in the front. Yeah. yeah. So there's a video on YouTube of the condensed package of him hitting all those threes. And with pretty much every one of them in the second half, you can actually see me standing up with the three fingers up <laughs> before the ball's even left his hand. 
I was going to say, that's exactly what it was. Everybody in that stadium knew it was going in before, yeah. before he even shot it. It was just this crazy atmosphere and just the electricity in that building that night. I don't think it's ever been, ever been beaten. I think that was just one of those once in a lifetime kind of feelings. You just, everybody felt it. Yeah, there, there was one. I in would particular, have hated to be on the opposition team. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, there was one in particular where he's picked uh, Chris Golding from behind, and the pass has gone ahead to Beal, and he's taken one dribble over half court, and I'm already stood up with the three <laughs> fingers up because you know it's coming. And yeah, it just it was in, impossible to stop that night. We had a photo with him afterwards in the Wildcats Champions Club or whatever it's called after the game. And obviously everyone wanted a piece of him after that game. He took so many yep. photos, but he looked so exhausted. He was absolutely <laughs> knackered after that one. Oh, good times. So, yeah, that that has to go down as probably my best live performance, just in terms of the feeling and the venue and the excitement. So, a that, was a real, that was a fun one. So thanks for suggesting that as a topic because uh, that gave me a lot of opportunities to reflect and remember the good days what about you joseph well i was actually in utah in 98 to see jordan's last shot oh, serious that's nah, why I'm you just, had to go nah, second, no, I'm, I'm not missing it i was story again andrew the feeding I was, the bird. <laughs> I was so sitting there waiting i was like do this be a thespian do it no no of course i wouldn't do it um but um uh, as far as like live shows Cirque du Soleil, huge fan Put that to one side. As far as I wanted to, I'll stick to NBL. Um, I got two. One that's pretty good, that's pretty famous, is when Townsville Crocodiles, they were there, beat the Wildcats in the first round when Connor Henry was coach, forgetting the year at Challenge. The one where Homicide took his shirt off, went crazy. The crowd was <laughs> going mental. I really hit, I think, a record, like nine threes for the nine game. Ten, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. So that was, and as you talk about, everyone's high off chlorine. From Challenge Stadium coming over, uh, it had this miasma in the air. Um, the other one that I want to do a subtle one. Do you remember a Wildcat import by the name of Darren Brooks? Do you remember him? Oh yeah, Darren Brooks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, money, money was, from mid range. He yeah. was my favorite player because I just I've never seen a more winning player in my life, and he just always found a way to get a big steal or a big play. I was a huge fan of him, and his story is interesting. Been trying to get him on the pod for a while where finished college, was a good player, didn't quite work out NBA, came to NBL, then did a couple of years in Korea and then disappeared. Only played you know, three or four years professionally, left at mid-20s. But I thought he was such a good... Anyway, the game I'm talking about is when the Wildcats played West Sydney Razorbacks, who at that time had James Harvey. And James Harvey, obviously former Wildcat, had hit these big plays. I don't even know what year this was. I don't even yeah, know. I, it was I, only a regular I, season game. I remember this game well, actually. <laughs> West Sydney went up quite big. I'm going to say even made as, as much as 20, quite late, maybe going into the fourth. It looked over. Whole crowd stood up for the entire fourth quarter. And the Wildcats, Darren Brooks, the architect of it, just brought them back and back. And I remember they, they brought came back from a huge deficit. It got close. And James Harvey hit a massive three late in the fourth, like almost to end. Oh, yes. He it's thought, to, yes. He, it's okay. Right. All right. Yeah, so yeah, he thought yeah. it ended yep. it. Yep. He, they're bear hugging him. He's given the shush. He's the, the index finger to the lips, quieting the Wildcat crowd, which it did. No one had any reply. One guy had a reply, Darren Brooks. Came back down. I really can't even remember the play. I just remember the moment and the feel. He made it by the, and they won it. 
Or maybe they didn't even, maybe Wildcats didn't even win it. I can't remember. But I remember, no, no they did win it. They did no, win it. it. Is. Harvey, I, think it ba- Harvey, I think it was a baseline jump shot from Darren Brooks, if I recall. And I remember being close to the actually I had a baseline ticket. And I remember being close to whatever action happened. I was close to it. And I think it was Darren Brooks. But I remember to go from, they must have won. Because Harvey gave the silence, quiet. Yeah. No one thought it was possible. And then Darren Brooks, I think, could have like hit a mid-ranger and got fouled. Could have done something outrageous. But I remember him winning that game. And I just... And that team was like Ronaldson, a few others. Wasn't the best team ever, but he just willed them with defense. In two thousands, I reckon, Joseph. Mid two thousands. Yeah, that sounds about right. When the Wildcats were kind of in their struggly kind of years. Um, yeah, he was. That was a long answer, but that that's my answer. That's, that's almost like oh, a, yeah. a like the Reggie Miller taking the bow at the center of Chicago Stadium, Precisely. and then Tony Kukoc hitting the three to to win <laughs> it at the buzzer. It's like that. Uh, and it was just whisper quiet as he was doing the shoot. You could hear him shushing. You could hear the actual just shush. You could hear it from him and then to come back and, and then silence him in reverse. I love stuff like that. That's the image I can see in my mind's eye is James Harvey. Yeah, yeah, I do but, remember. Yeah. At, at being lifted, being hoisted and hugged and at a like, you know, leaning back angle, shushing the root. Oh, yeah. And then to yep. Darren Brooks to do it. Uh, sorry, guys, what, what's, your, what's your answers? Well, actually, just quickly before we, we do get into ours, I, James Harvey kind of had a little bit of a, yeah, a bit of a, a history of doing that. Because I think there was a time, I'm sure it was him with Gold Coast and when Chris Goulding, uh, sorry, Correct. Golding, I should say, I was calling Golding. They, those two came across and they were celebrating at mid-court when they played for the Blaze. And yeah, they're just, there's something about it when, when those guys would come back, they would just always like to try and stick the dagger into Perth. Yeah, was I know we've the, got the sailor, sailor Boy salute, wasn't it? That was what they used to yes, call it, it was. <laughs> it was. I know we've got some time issues, so I will really do a real cliff notes here. But for those interested, Stewie and I have talked about it on episode 56, 60 and 61, where we've kind of talked about our history with sport. But We've got a lot of similar ones. So we saw Adam Gilchrist go nuts in the 2007 World Cup final in, in Antigua. Oh, sorry, Barbados. Barbados, yeah. 149 um, runs off 104 balls. It was just stupid. The one and only NBA game I've been to, I was very lucky to jag Kobe dropping 65 on Portland. So, yeah, they're, they're the ones that come to mind for me. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the, the Jermaine Beal one was right at the top of my list. I saw the Magic Johnson All-Stars play against the Boomers in about 1994 or 95 uh, with, with yeah, Magic Johnson hitting a three to send that to overtime. So we're seeing some cool stuff. So, so thanks very much again, lads. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'd love to do it again. I guess for those listening on our stream, uh, NBL Pocket Podcast, do you have plugs, guys, you want to give? Well, yeah, you can catch us on Twitter at NBL Pocket Pod or Andrew at Andrew Canyon. And yeah, we're on Patreon if you really like this, this show. But more importantly, the sport blokes. This has been one of the best we've ever done on this thing, Andrew. I, I had a great time. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Really oh, enjoyed it. Really oh, thank you. It. Appreciate thank that. You. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, so at Sportblokes, uh, S-P-O-R-T-B-L-O-K-E-S on Twitter. Uh, search for us on any streaming platforms. And yeah, we've got Cody Ellis coming up on our next episode. So we've got a bit of an MBL, MBL uh, extravaganza coming up as we head into the season. So we're looking forward to that. A lot of cricket and basketball this summer. So that's what to look forward to for those that like more than just the basketball. Lots of fun. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. What are you at for? Well, mate, we've got another massive show coming up in just a few days' time. We'll be chatting to friend of the show, Cody Ellis. champion, yes. Yes. Yeah. 
So we didn't get a chance to talk about Sydney or Cairns today, so we'll have a chat to him about those two teams as well as the rest of the league, a few bits and pieces around the NBA. We've got the WBBL final starting in just two hours, the Scorchers and the Strikers. Yes, so at time recording, yeah. Get a chance to dissect that a little bit. How about yourself? Yeah, no, very much looking forward to that WBBL final, but yeah, absolutely. I'm getting really excited about the NBL now. Can't wait to talk to Cody. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Until next time, I'm Nathan. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.